Hello, dearest listener. You have tuned in to At Your Peril by Arthur McBain and Owen Jenkins. Before we begin, a parish notice. A warning. What you are about to hear may terrify and horrify you to the very core of your being. It may also involve content unsuitable for children, those with a nervous disposition, or wimps. If you must, turn off your receiver now. No? In that case, we shall begin at your peril. Previously on The Bargain. It's as if Beyonce had just disappeared and everyone immediately forgets her. It's Beyonce Square. Oh shit. Baker, you're absolutely blowing my mind here. Spheres of bloody heaven. So, Bill Coyote and the bargain. Rise. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's telling me not to speak to you. What the hell? Who could that be from? Maybe we could reschedule. Knife entering my flesh. If you look for the devil, you will find the devil. My name is Hedy, and I make you your coffee every morning. Her eyes are the brightest shade of blue. Right. I'm sorry. You own the records? What was that? A crow just flew into my window. There's blood. Its beak has been smashed to pieces. There was writing on the refrigerator. Hetty had been kidnapped. A telephone number with an international dialing code. Russia. The note was written in blood. The plane to Russia. My palms had been sweating profusely for the whole journey. My knees are weak and my arms are heavy. I am nervous. Anxiety beats in my chest. Questions are filling my head. Where is Hetty? Who is the person I am meeting? The last time I took a lead on this story, I almost got killed. Am I flying straight into a trap? By now, I have spent my entire savings on airfares. So, this lead had to be it. I look out the window. Miles of endless Russian forest covered in snow, ice, cold. A body could easily be lost out there, and that body could easily be mine. We land. I collect my 100% recycled bag, walk through nothing to declare, and enter the arrivals lounge. The usual crowd of people huddle around the door, taxi drivers, long-lost lovers, family members, And there, at the far end of the room, a woman with slicked back hair and dark sunglasses. She holds a piece of paper. On it, written in red, are the words Baker and Bugbrook. From the creators of Terry, A Life on Tape, Time Soup, and Crime Soup, I'm Baker Bugbrook, and this is Bill Coyote and the Bargain. The Truth. I was meeting a man called Christopheles in a small village outside Vorkata. I will not disclose the exact location for reasons that will become apparent. As I was driven into the village by the woman wearing dark sunglasses, I noticed that passers-by would stop and watch the vehicle pass. Each time they'd lock eyes with me, expressionless, emotionless, suspicious. I felt like I was wearing a giant, invisible stethoscope. I could hear my heartbeat drumming inside my body. 
pushing blood to every sinew, every muscle, every organ. And with each sinew, muscle, and organ that it touched, it brought with it an avalanche of anxiety. But this is why I went into award-nominated journalism. I have always had a predisposition for an investigation. I have always yearned for the thrill of the chase, following leads this way and that, like Disney's most famous great mouse detective, Basil. You can do this, Baker, I said to myself. My God, if anyone can, it's you. I clenched my jaw and allowed the car to drive me further into the unknown. Christopheles lived in a tall house on the outskirts of the village. He welcomed me in with all the charm and charisma of a maitre d'. To my surprise, Christopheles was English. Christopheles isn't my real name. No, 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 it's my nickname. Uh, don't ask me why or who or what or so on or so on. <laughs> because the answer is far too long and convoluted. It's like that with nicknames, isn't it? Mine's just morphed and changed over the and years. And tell me, why Russia? Why did you end up here? Well, the weather is nice. But there is a meter of snow outside and it's all ice and chillblains. Lovely, isn't it? So, let me get this straight. You live here because you like freezing to death? <laughs> yes, I like the cold. But also, my boss and I are currently working here. It's proving to be a good spot for business. And what is your business, if you don't mind me asking? People. People? Yes. I work in the humanities. That's partly why I can help you. Our firm used to work with Bill Coyote in the bucket. Oh, wow. Did, what did your firm do for them? We, well, to put it bluntly, we made them famous. You did their PR? You could say that. Yes. And Baker, with your help... We'd like to make them famous again. Wow. Um, how, how can I help? Oh, please. I know your work, Baker. Your piece about the Essex Demon, Terrier, Life on Tape, was a smash. Your producers, um, at your peril, is it? They don't know what hit them when you came along. You put them on the map. My boss and I want your story to go well. If anyone can reawaken coyote fever, it's you. I was touched, I have to admit. I don't do this work for the fame, the plaudit, nominations, the compliments. I do this job for the truth. I am a warrior for nothing but the truth. But I was flattered. I am ashamed to admit that Christopheles had disarmed me. And there is a golden rule in journalism. Never allow your subject to disarm you. It never ends well. And listener, let me warn you now. Bill Coyote and the bargain, the truth doesn't end well. So, you're almost right to say that the band were priests, although let me set something straight. They weren't practicing Christianity anymore by the time they took to music. In fact, none of them were ever actually ordained. They had been disillusioned by the church. It hadn't treated them well, and they all lost their way. It was clear that if anyone was going to fill in all the gaps, Christopheles would be that person. Just as I felt I was getting somewhere, he abruptly asked if I wanted a coffee. Ah, uh, I How he knew my order, I do not know. Something was starting to make me feel uneasy. This was all too easy. Nevertheless, I am a sucker for an affogato. So I accepted asking for a double portion of ice cream. So where were the band from? 
Oh, they were from Cornwall, England, the West Country. Good and proper. Spoke like farmers. There was Bill Coyote himself, who was the front man, guitar and lead vocals. Well, he had grown up playing the lute, came from a folk background. Alan Yates was his real name. Bill Coyote, of course, was a stage name. You know that Bill Coyote and the bargain has a hidden meaning, right? Coffee. Hattie! What the heck? Hello, Becca. You're here. I I was worried about you. I, I thought you'd been kidnapped. I, I, I've got to admit... I, I was about to bring that up with Christopheles and... No, I haven't been kidnapped. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, Hattie's here on a visit. I was good friends with her mother, Kim, God rest her soul, who used to work with us, as it happens. Isn't that right, Hattie? Yes, sir. And with that, Hattie left the room. There was something strange about her demeanor, something cold and haunted. She didn't seem her usual self, full of vip and vigor, vivacity and virtue. No, she seemed very vulnerable and vexed. I narrowed my eyes. Something wasn't right. Christopheles continued. Well, Alan and the rest of the guys all attended a seminary together. That's where they met. And a few years into their training, so they must have been around 19, Alan and Jeff, who played bass, started sneaking out to go and watch live music. It must have been pretty crap stuff, because the Cornish live music scene in the 60s wasn't anywhere near as rock and roll as it is today, but still, they were hooked. They decided that live music was its own kind of church. They both grew their hair long and wore sideburns, which got them into much trouble with the seminary. However, the allure of all things taboo began tempting them to such a degree that they couldn't bring themselves to tread the straight and narrow. Every weekend it was alcohol, marijuana, music, women. They neglected their Bibles to such a degree that the church cast them out. Still, their four closest friends couldn't help but be whipped up into a frenzy by the boys. And so Bill Coyote and the bargain came into being. It was Alan Yates, a.k.a. Bill Coyote on guitar and vocals, Jeff Hitchens on bass, Ian Drew on rhythm guitar... Artie Linella, a.k.a. Smarty, on keys, Rohan Cave on drums, and Owen O'Bride, who was the dancer. Dancer? Do you remember the Happy Mondays? Yeah, Manchester band from the 80s. Well, they had Bez, right? The coked-up guy who did nothing but dance. That's right. Well, Owen O'Bride pioneered that. He was said to be the most magnetic dancer on the planet... It was said that he could dance non-stop for over seven hours without a water break. Apparently, he could dance to two different rhythms at the same time, his legs on one song, his torso on another. He invented a move called the backward sliding feet, which was later stolen by Michael Jackson and be renamed the moonwalk. He was the first person ever to pioneer something he called dry land dive, which is now known the world over as... The worm. And you know Big Fish, Little Fish, Cardboard Box? Well, he invented white hands, closed hands, up and down hands. It's no coincidence. Pan's people, who we also worked with in the 70s, they said that Owen O'Bride was the sole source of their inspiration. Baker, are you okay? You look distracted. It's true. I was distracted. Wholly distracted. I'm not good at dancing, and I didn't have a clue who Pan's people were, but I didn't give a hot diggity dang. I couldn't shift my mind from Hetty. She had seemed... 
different. She was not the person who I had come to know over the last year. It suddenly dawned on me that her eyes were... a different color. Remember I said in part one that you couldn't miss Hetty's bright blue eyes? Well, when Hetty walked in just now, her eyes were unmistakably brown. Dark brown. I looked down at my affogato. This wasn't one of Hetty's affogatos. This was a cheap ripoff. A fake. A lie. Where's Hetty? I said. Oh, uh, in the other room, I should imagine. Why, should I call her back? That's not Hetty. Whoever that is, it's not Hetty. Where's Hetty? My dear Mr. Bubbrook, I I have no idea what you're getting at. My affogato tastes cheap. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Would you like me to get you another one? No. Tell me the truth. What have you done with Hetty? It was a question I wish I'd never asked. But ask it, I did. I cannot turn back time now. If I could, I would. But sure as winter follows fall... So, too, does the answer follow the question. I will cut to the chase so as to spare you the anticipation. The last thing I'd ever want to do is draw the story out for dramatic effect. The woman who made my coffee wasn't Hetty. Hetty was dead. They had killed her, skinned her, and someone else, no, something else, was wearing her skin. They knew that the only thing that would get me to Russia was Hetty. Without that added incentive, I may have never come, and Christopheles and his firm weren't willing to take that risk. For some reason, they were dead set on me completing my story and teaching the world once more about Bill Coyote and the bargain. Christopheles had summoned Hetty into the room to prove it to me, and, with that worn laughter in his voice, instructed the figure to take off Hetty. And so it did. It peeled off Hetty's skin as though it were a onesie. No wonder Hetty's eyes weren't blue anymore, because the eyes I was seeing weren't hers. They were this thing's. It was a demon. That much I could tell. It looked like an amalgamation of discarded body parts. Joints bent the wrong way and its skin looked burned, like a hog on a spit roast. It's times like this I wished I was a documentary maker, who had a film crew and didn't just do award-nominated podcasts, because then you could see with your own eyes the horror with which I faced. As it is, I guess you guys will just have to take my word for it. It was really pretty darn gross. And Christopheles was laughing. <laughs> truly. <laughs> maniacally laughing. He thought it was hilarious. That's the thing that will stay with me forever. The pure joy he was experiencing. Like a gluttonous king watching a court jester, my horror was his delight. So, I clench my jaw, and with tears in my eyes, I barge my way out of the door. No one comes running. I'm running as fast as I can, relief washing over me like a warm shower. 
Then, the water in the shower got cold, and in the pit of my stomach something felt wrong. They allowed me to escape. Looking back now, I don't know how that didn't set alarm bells off in my head. I flee out of the house and onto the main street that I had come along through the village. Neighbors stop and stare at me. I am manic. I run deranged through the snow, yelling for someone to help me. But no one does. No one helps me. No one stops me. It's as if I am purely an entertainment for everyone. A little boy from the village points at me and says, Eat shit. Then his mother, who I assume is about to give him the telling off of his life, also points at me and says, Yeah, eat shit. The whole village was demented. I finally reached the edge of town, looking for a way out of the hellhole, hopefully by catching a bus. When I see a large black car waiting for me, the windows are darkened, so I can't see who's inside. Slowly, the passenger window rolls down. I try to breathe, but I can't. There, still giggling, is Christopheles. Well, I suppose we should have a chat. Off mic, no documentary, no frills, just you and me and Vlad here chatting. Vlad won't tell anyone, will you, Vlad? Oh, no, sir, no, sir, I won't. Mum's the word. I always say to the people I drive, I always say, what is said in the car stays in the car. Well, I suppose it's not really a car, is it? (laughs) More of an SUV. (laughs) Lovely wheel lock on this model. Gorgeous piece of kit, if you ask me. (laughs) Thanks, Vlad. Christopheles' driver, Vlad, was taking us up to a local hill and talking incessantly. He assured me that the views were stunning. The views are stunning. I've always enjoyed the views here. It's like you're looking at a really nice view. He had implicitly told me not to record and had watched me put my dictaphone in the trunk. But little did he know, I still had my cell, and my cell has a voice record function. I am sorry about Hetty. We just needed to get you here. Now, I realize that if we'd have just called, you probably would have come anyway. This whole kidnapping and skinning scenario is a tad medieval. But medieval times weren't that long ago in the grand scheme of things. I remember it like it were yesterday. I mean, Vlad here had a pretty good run impaling people back then. Got a bit too famous, didn't you, Vlad? (laughs) He prefers to drive these days. No longer a whore for the limelight. Perhaps you know his stuff, Baker. Vlad Baker, Baker Vlad. Vlad the Impaler, Count Vlad Dracula. Hello, sweetie pie. Anytime you need a lift, just call on Uncle Vladdy, okay? Your vampires? Oh, that's not even the start of it, darling man. To your mind, I suppose we are far, far worse. No. <laughs> How can I say this? We are the darkness that fights with the light. We are the chaos. We are the inferno. Misery. Nightmares. Chaos. We are all that fill the abyss. The underworld. Hell. Do you believe in God, Baker? Of course. Yes, okay, well then, we are the other side. You're the devil? I'm not. I'm his personal assistant. Christophilus is a nickname. My birth name is Mephistopheles. 
Perhaps you've heard of me. I got quite infamous at one point in the 1600s, so had to get a name change. Satan doesn't really make it down to Earth these days. He mostly spends his time on Twitter. If the Earth is the battlefield, he's in the war room, keeping warm and snug. And it is a battle, Baker. But instead of blood and gore, death and pestilence, it's now moved towards pop culture. Humans care not about war anymore. It's everywhere, on every news channel. They're desensitized to the horrors of it. So we no longer fight with the forces of good on those terms. What people really care about is music, art, films. It's there that we are recruiting, winning souls, manipulating people to evil. And the angels are trying to destroy us. Encouraging people to burn books, burning the Beatles records, protesting outside concerts. Marilyn Manson, Eminem, Jerry Springer, the opera. It's all they can do to stop us picking up pace. Answers are a funny thing, aren't they? The more you want them, the harder they are to accept, right? So, you really want to know about Bill Coyote and the bargain? Those lads sold us their souls in return for five years of stardom. It's kind of our stock in trade. We grant you all of your wishes for a short time in return for your soul. We could make you the most famous podcaster on the planet, Baker, if you wanted. Arthur and Owen are at your peril sold us their souls years ago. <laughs> So, Bill Bile, the Celtic god of hell, a.k.a. Satan, Coyote, American Indian devil, one of our earthly messengers, and the bargain? Well, hmm, that explains itself, and we were winning. For the first time since the great pestilence, we had more souls than God, we had the upper hand. The earth was becoming ours to control. All those souls singing the music, dancing without inhibition to our beat, our infernal beat. Bill Coyote in the bargain was our ultimate marketing strategy. And then, it makes me red hot angry just thinking about it. God and his PA Gabriel. They managed to fight back by rewriting time itself well. That's against the rules of war. No fair. You can't change the fabric of time itself. That's dirty play. That's playing dirty. It's a snide move. They deleted Bill Coyote from history. They pressed the reset button. And all that was left was the lingering sense that something was missing. You see, when you rewrite time, you literally write on top of the old thread. You paint over the cracked wall. But the thread still exists. If you look extremely carefully, the cracks underneath the paint job still show. You see, it's fragile. All it takes is one tiny catalyst to peel the whole thing away, tear the band-aid from the original stream of time. And that, Baker, is what you're doing. You're amazing. You're just a man to do it. You release this podcast and millions upon millions of people will hear it. And in the back of their minds, they'll know that there is a Bill Coyote-shaped gap in history. And they'll remember. 
And all it will take is enough people to remember to tear the whole thing down. Before you know it, we'll be back on top. And it will be all thanks to you. And I have this on authority from the very top, or <laughs> rather bottom, you'll be sat at the left hand of Satan himself. You'll be a prince, a demi-devil. Your power will be immense. You'll be able to seduce anyone you like. You'll be rich, Baker. Stinking, filthy, revoltingly rich. You'll be able to sweet-talk your way into any situation. You'll be revered, loved. You'll be able to start wars and end them. You'll be able to slap the Pope on the face and get away with it. You'll be able to turn invisible, cloak yourself in darkness. You'll be able to advise presidents and provoke uprisings. All this for your soul. A thing you got for free anyway. You see, it's all profit. How long? I beg your pardon? You say I get all this stuff, all this privilege, for how long? Bill Coyote in the bargain only got five years. Dr. Faustus got 24. How many do I get before you take me to hell? That'll be between you and the Lord of Darkness himself to negotiate. I'd imagine... Hmm. Thirty. Ah. <laughs> That's him now. Yes. Okay. Fifty. Fifty years. He said you can have fifty years. I've never heard him give that to anyone. Michael Jackson only got 45. What's hell like? Like a drug. What drug? The best. Is it hot? We're here. Look out the window, see for yourself. We were atop a hill. The view would have been beautiful were it not for an enormous pit expanding out ahead of us. It looked as though the forest had sunk into a sinkhole. The permafrost. The heat is rising, Baker. The permafrost here in Russia is melting. That's why we are here. This is our current project. Slowly, evil is wrapping its tendrils back around the human race. Transport, the fashion industry, consumerism, fracking, Fishing, farming. These are all the traces of the devil's work. Letting humans unleash death and destruction onto themselves. Raising the temperature, melting the ice, making Earth a living hell. One day, Baker, Earth itself will be as hot as hell. So you ask how hot hell is? Just stick around for the next hundred years and you'll find out. And if you're heading that way anyway, surely you want to live out the next 50 years as a demi-devil? You know, suicide is one of the greatest sins on Earth. Well, we are managing to make the entire human race commit suicide on itself without realising it. <laughs> Wonderful, right? And with you, we can speed the whole process up. Get Bill Coyote back on the air and we will be able to hypnotize the entire planet quicker, faster, better. 
So how about it? I will admit now, Christopheles was charming me. He was ensnaring me with his words. They were filling my brain, making me feel as though hell on earth was inevitable. I asked to take a breath and step out of the vehicle. They obliged. I stop across this hillock looking out over the landscape. The earth, the sinkhole in the permafrost, and I realized then and there how fragile it all was, how much care we need to give it, how all is not lost, not one bit. We still have time to save it, to make a paradise on earth, far from hell. Perhaps my responsibility was not to remind the planet about Bill Coyote and the bargain, but to tell the story and raise the veil. To make everyone realize how close we are to falling into the inferno. Suddenly, I hear a sound. A helicopter. Before I knew it, there were gunshots as the airborne spinning device lowered itself above the car. I was hoisted into the air by an unknown force. Christopheles and Vlad jerked out of their car and started firing at the helicopter. I was being held by my shoulders aloft the ground. 10 feet, 20 feet, 30, and whoever was in the helicopter was firing back, a machine gun attached to the side of the craft. Christopheles responded with a rocket launcher. The missile passed by my head close enough to burn away my mullet. I will admit, I was screaming. There is a reason I did not go into war journalism. I hate loud bangs. The 4th of July to me is painful. I huddle under my kitchen table like a dog. It all happened so quickly, and I was hoisted into the body of the helicopter. A priest, wearing full garb, was stood at the machine gun, firing down at Kristoff and Vlad. I recognized him. This was the tiny blind monk from the chapel in the Alps. He didn't seem so tiny now. Or blind. Around me, the priests set about their mission. One monk pulled the pin out of a grenade with his gold teeth and drop-kicked it out of the chopper like a soccer ball. As it exploded, we surged off into the sky. These, I would come to learn, were the Knights Templar, the ancient sect of godly warriors, those responsible for the awful bloodshed of the Crusades. I looked up and gasped. Dwayne the Rock Johnson was piloting the chopper. He turned back and looked at me and winked. I want to stress that I am not putting these people on a pedestal. They are responsible for their fair share of death and misery and corruption. But in that moment, they saved my life. And in the next moment, they suddenly became my captors. One of them tied my arms behind my back, always repeating the words, Sivas vultus pro diaboli, invenis diaboli. If you look for the devil, you will find the devil. And here I am now, sat in my locked room in the Vatican, imprisoned against my will by the Pope himself. It's a little like when you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. I am forbidden from leaving, trapped like a beautiful caged bird. And yet, this is the only place that I am safe. For the devil will find me, and he will stop at nothing to steal my soul and make use 
of my podcasting platform. A platform that, until now, I had always taken for granted. I am a victim of my own award-nominated journalism. I only see two people. One is Father Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who brings me my oatmeal morning, noon, and night. The other is a young boy named Pepe, who brings me affogato from his father's cafe every other Sunday. He passes it through the bars of my small room. Man, I live for those Sundays. Excuse the pun. Beyond Pepe, there has been one other saving grace. The Pope has, perhaps foolishly, forgotten to confiscate my laptop. And here's something they don't know. I always keep a dongle in my sock. This has allowed me just enough gigahertz to upload this podcast without either side knowing about it. That is, until now. Please, someone, send help. I hope one day to be able to walk freely among you, but I cannot do that until both sides have made peace. Whenever that happens, is is down to you. They're soldiers. And so here I am. Just, just a man. A podcaster. The last in a long line of Bug Brooks. I have no family. No children. No, no one misses me. This is the truth. It is possible I will die here. Possible that no one will mourn my death. I realize now that like Bill Coyote in the bargain traded their souls for fame. I have traded a family life for the truth. And dear listener, as I sit here now, I would not have it any other way. This is the truth. There is a war happening beneath our very noses and they are using you as their pawns. And now, it is time to wake up. I urge you to pick a side. The answer is not about heaven or hell. The answer is just don't fight the war at all. Be a conscientious objector. That's all I ask. Don't be a dick to the planet, to each other, to yourselves. We are all on the same side. Humanity. Let's not allow these celestial forces to use Earth as a battlefield. And, as I record this, the battery on my laptop, it's, it's dying. Per- perhaps forever. So, I will leave you with this. Quarai non sant diabli. Quarai non est salus. Si quidum nullicum aliqua glacius crepito. Or, seek not the devil. Seek not salvation. If in doubt, have some ice cream with your coffee. Sweet love, sweet, sweet love. And rock on. Bill Coyote and the Bargain Parts 1 and 2 was voiced by Alex Williams Indiana Evans Emily Lang Mark Strapan Arthur McBain and Owen Jenkins There we go! Yes, there we go, Owen. A two-parter for you. That's our very first two-parter. 
isn't it? <laughs> you, I thought you were talking? going to say, I thought you were going to, it sounded like you were going to say, and we've got loads in store, but you just sort of, sort of stopped talking. Well, we don't have loads in store. <laughs> no, it, would, it would essentially be a lie. It would be a lie. We could do more two-parters if you want. We did talk today about doing a bit of a two-parter. We did. Let's do that. We'll do that in the future. <laughs> <laughs> um, stay tuned because we've got lots of very exciting episodes coming up, and that isn't a lie. That is true. We've got ones written by... Chris Jameson coming up, haven't we? Yeah, some very good ones. Yeah, he's uh, he's been a busy little boy, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what else? Oh, yeah, we need to ask people to make sure that they subscribe. Yes. Thanks. Thanks. Oh, and um, we have lots of lovely uh, followers in, in France. So, hello. We do. Bonjour. Bonjour. Oh, Ça va? Zout à l'heure. And I'm sorry. What's... I'm sorry. Uh, je suis désolé. Je suis désolé. Je suis désolé. Ter- no, I can't do a terrible French accent. No. I'm going to cut. Let's not do this. <laughs> we'll <bit>. cut that <laughs> bit. And uh, thanks again to Baker Bugbrook, who uh, we really do hope gets out of the Vatican eventually. Yeah, we're going to start a petition. Um, so we need you all to sign it so we can get Baker Bugbrook released. Hashtag free Baker. Hashtag free Baker. That's not someone offering free cakes before you get excited. <laughs> See you next time. <laughs> Hello everybody, sorry, um, it's Arthur here. I'm just jumping on at the end because Owen and I completely forgot to mention that we are currently re-releasing all of our episodes on YouTube. Um, We're just doing it because it's another place that people can find us. Uh, And so next time you're on YouTube, if you just, while you're at it, type in at your peril and give us a little subscribe, that would really, really, really help us and we'd be very appreciative of that. Plus, you can look at the animations that we've made which have taken us absolutely hours and hours we outsource nothing so we've had to (laughs) we've had to learn how to make animations (laughs) and also um a series of some some short teaser videos that you can look at so you can look at me and owen being wallies um so anyway yeah look lots of love speak to you all later bye